The Green Bay Packers won what many called a must-win playoff game against Philadelphia, or at least to keep their slim playoff hopes alive. Now they must carry that momentum into their next contest, but will they? We'll start to find out when Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're talking about that big win against the Philadelphia Eagles. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the line today. Expert interview. We have Nathan Yankee of ProFootballFocus.com joining us. Nathan, how you doing this morning? Good morning, Brian. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing all right. Nathan, can you help us Take a look back at the big game from Aaron Rodgers and uh, not just his game on Monday Night Football, but kind of how he's done since midseason. Sure, Monday Night was definitely impressive. He had a little bit quicker of a passing game than he's had in previous weeks, weeks, which worked fairly effectively. Um, A lot of short passes, which helped his stats, but then he also had a few big plays to go along with that, so graded very well for us this past week. Other scrambles in there as well helped us grade. And then if you go back to week seven, which was right after that Cowboys game, uh, he's graded out as the best quarterback in the NFL when you combine his passing and his rushing. Uh, he's completed over two-thirds of his passes in that time, has a 17-3 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, so uh, Rodgers' play recently is really promising for the rest of the season. Yeah, he played very well, I thought, and uh, that pretty much, uh, you said it. (laughs) But I think a big part of the reason for Rodgers' success was the play of the Packers' offensive line and their pass protection unit in particular. Can you describe the best performance from that unit? Sure, the Packers' offensive line has been a huge part of the passing game all season. They've been the best pass-blocking offensive line in the league and it hasn't even been close this year. Uh, this past Monday night, uh, Rodgers was only under pressure on eight of his dropbacks, and some of them was just Rodgers holding onto the ball too long. So offensive line, excellent job in this one. Uh, it was led by David Bakhtiari, who he's building an all-pro resume this year. Uh, he was perfect in pass protection, also very good as a run blocker. And it's also worth mentioning uh, Corey Lindsley in this one too, also perfect in pass protection and was a good run blocker but it's a lot more difficult for a left tackle to remain perfect in pass protection over the course of a game than it is for a center, too. Yeah, good job by David Bakhtiari this game and for pretty much the majority of the season, for that matter. Um, Nathan, Devontae Adams had another big game with two touchdowns in Philadelphia, but can you tell us how he stacks up to other wide receivers in the NFL since midseason? Because I think that's going to be a notable point here. Uh, sure. Going again with since week seven, 
Uh, he has the second most receiving yards in the league for wide receivers, the most yards after the catch, uh, the second most touchdowns. So just looking at his raw stats, he's been very good since that time. Um, his grades haven't been quite as good as those numbers would indicate. Uh, first off, he's run 296 pass routes which is uh, since week seven, which is tied with Jordy Nelson for the most, and only Allen Robinson is within 65 pass routes of them. So uh, his numbers are a little bit inflated just because of how much the Packers have been passing the ball recently. Um, if you look, if you just divide his yards by how many routes he's run, he's only been a little bit above average there. Uh, he also has a fumble and three drops over that time, which drags his grade down a little bit. So uh, he's definitely been playing well. It's been above average play. He's just not quite at the level of the best receivers in the game quite yet, but yeah. a big improvement based on last year and the start of this year as well. Probably didn't help his grade that he stepped out of bounds in the fourth quarter there at Monday mm-hmm. night. Uh, but but it's it's no coincidence, I'm sure, that both him and Aaron Rodgers, their grade since week seven, uh, kind of helping each other out in that regard. But we're talking to Nathan Yankee of ProFootballFocus.com here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Nathan, on the defensive side of the football, how did Clay Matthews look filling in at inside linebacker for the first time this season, at least on a kind of a at-length basis? Yeah, I think he had an all-right game um, in this one. He was most impressive as an inside pass rusher, uh, had a sack and two hurries in the game. Uh, two of them came up against the Eagles rookie right guard who was making his first NFL start. And the other was unblocked, but uh, despite the competition there, it was still good to see him getting some pressure. Uh, in the run game, he had an unblocked tackle for a short gain, but then was out of position just a couple of times. On coverage, allowed a few short catches, so not a huge deal there, but uh, was blocked on a screen pass, uh, had a defensive holding that was uh, ended up being declined, but it still happened, so... Uh, if you compare it to average typical linebacker play throughout the league, it's a little below average. But uh, considering it was his first game at inside linebacker this season, as well as uh, comparing it to Carl Bradford, who only played three snaps, but in that time allowed a 24-yard catch, I think it was definitely the right decision to have Matthews play inside linebacker since I think he would have done a much better job than Bradford over the course of a game. Yeah, certainly didn't help that shoulder injury early on in the game earlier. You wonder how much that impacted Matthews. Uh, But Nathan, in the secondary, Demarius Randall played in his first game in several weeks after coming back from surgery. How did he look upon his return? I think he also looked fine. Uh, If you look just at his stats, uh, he allowed six catches for 52 yards on seven targets, which that in itself doesn't sound great, but... Um, on the bright side, some of those catches only went for one or two yards. So um, even if you allow a catch and it only goes for that short distance, it's a win for the defense. So he had a few good plays there. Uh, on the downside, a few of those catches were for first downs. Uh, most concerning was he has two missed tackles, which uh, that's something that he had a little bit of a problem with last year as well. So uh, there was probably a little bit more bad than good, but it was definitely good to see the good in there. I thought safeties Morgan Burnett and HaHa Clinton Dix played well in Philadelphia. Uh, I'm kind of wondering. I know they haven't had been having great seasons all year long, but how do they rank among safety tandems in the NFL? Kind of stacking up to their peers as kind of a, a duo. 
Sure. First off, I agree with you. They had good games Monday night. Uh, Clinton Dix with the interception, uh, no catches allowed. And then Morgan Burnett uh, was making a lot of stops in the game. He had four of them, which led the Packers. And it's not every day that you see a safety lead the team in stops. So uh, looking at them overall, I'd say uh, the pair is among the top 10 in the NFL. Um, I know the Packers secondary has gained a little bit of a poor reputation. And both of them have been okay in coverage throughout the year. Uh, where they've really shined is against the run. Um, it's pretty rare for a team to have two safeties that are as good against the run as the Packers have right now. So if you just look at run defense, I think the Packers have the best pair of safeties in the NFL. Wow, uh, that is impressive. Um, as we look forward to the game against the Houston Texans this upcoming Sunday, Nathan, who on the Texan roster do the Packers have to watch out for uh, this weekend? Uh, starting with the Texans offense, the obvious answer is DeAndre Hopkins. I know his numbers aren't as high as they had been in previous years, but whenever they are able to get him an accurate target, he's been able to do a good job with the ball in his hands. Uh, someone who has been playing really well this year, other uh, tight end C.J. Fedorowicz. Um, he's kind of emerged as one of their uh, biggest weapons, seeing a lot of targets each week. Uh, third most yards per route run for a tight end since week four, so... Uh, he's also someone the Packers secondary really needs to keep an eye on. But uh, the right tackle hasn't been playing very well this season, so uh, whoever's getting the most snaps at left outside linebacker should be able to have a big game uh, when the Packers and Texans play. Uh, then moving over to when the Texans are on defense, the big keys are uh, Whitney Marcellus and Jadavion Clowney. Both of them very good against the run and pass, uh, both very difficult to block, so... That'll be a nice test for the Packers' offensive line. Um, they also don't have a clear weakness in the secondary, which should also be a challenge. But if the Packers are able to neutralize the two pass rushers and uh, pass as well as they were able to do Monday night, they should be just fine when the Packers are on offense. I hope that's the case. Uh, Nathan, thank you so much for the uh, chat this morning and, as usual, bringing uh, your uh, unique statistical analysis to the show. Uh, enjoy the game this weekend, and we'll break it down next Wednesday, all right? Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us as he does every Wednesday during the football season. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. Packers news of the day. All right. The Green Bay Packers beat the Philadelphia Eagles 27-13 to on Monday. A little bit of old news, seeing as the show airs on Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays. So, uh... It's now been two days since since the game, so uh, but our first opportunity on this show to break it down, and as I usually do, kind of go through the uh, my signature chips report as a way to break down the game and offer some analysis, uh, giving two players in each category every game your blue chip players from this game. One of them, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and finally, folks, this was it. This is what I've been waiting for. We saw a glimpse of his, glimpses of it earlier in the season when the Packers played on the road in Atlanta. Uh, but the quick-hitting West Coast offense worked. Uh, I said it earlier in the season, I missed the type of game when Aaron Rodgers completed like 
35 out of 40 passes. And this wasn't that, but this was as close as it gets. The the unreal accuracy was finally there. That's the Aaron Rodgers we saw circa 2011, 2012, etc. And it's that's what made him so lethal at that time. And, and this particular game against Philadelphia, he was superb on third downs. Now, I, I looked up some statistics here. This isn't broken down exclusively by passing, but the team as a whole converted 10 of 14 third downs. Uh, that's a 71% clip, which is incredible. And, and Aaron Rodgers was responsible for a majority of them. And that doesn't include his fourth down conversion to Jordy Nelson on the back shoulder catch uh, later in the game. Uh, but the final statistical line was Aaron Rodgers completing 30 out of 39 passes for 313 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a passer rating of 116.7. And I uh, haven't even mentioned what he chipped in in the running game on some scrambles, even even ran the triple option on one play. Uh, now Aaron Rodgers uh, was limited later in the game with a hamstring injury, uh, although he stuck it out and was able to stay in the game and the Packers had to go almost exclusively shotgun. And, you know, they've, they were kind of in the same, you know, same uh, situation, what was it, two seasons ago when he had the calf injury in which he was a little bit immobile. You can get by. It's not ideal. Uh, you're hoping with a little bit of time off that maybe that just goes away. It, it certainly helped that the Packers were up on the scoreboard and all they had to do was maintain it at the time. And so, you know, after Rodgers' injuries, they didn't have to take a lot of chances with him and things like that. Um, but it's definitely worth watching going forward, it, you know, how mobile is he? Because, you know, you want him to be able to scramble if need be, get away from pass rushers. And, you know, late in the game, he couldn't do that, didn't really have to because, you know, like I said, they were ahead on the scoreboard and, no reason to take any chances and, and, and you know, uh, try to get away and then injure the hamstring further or anything like that. Um, but Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, e even being limited, he, he worked within his limitations uh, this game uh, late in the second half and uh, did, did a superb job against the Philadelphia Eagles. Really a technician, a surgeon, Whatever kind of descriptor you want to use, Aaron Rodgers was it and easily a blue chip performer from this game. The other goes to wide receiver Devontae Adams, who continues to amaze, leading the team with 113 receiving yards on just five receptions. Uh, that goes for an average of 22.6 yards per catch, exclamation point, exclamation point. 22.6, that's really good, <laughs> especially for a guy like Devontae Adams. He had a long play of 50 yards, which was amazing because, you know, he's he's not known as an explosive player, but he's starting to become one. And the touchdown catch he made in a tight window was fantastic. 
You know, I saw, I saw it suggested somewhere that he does a good job not getting jammed at, jammed at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, that that's kind of what I expected out of Adams coming into his pro career just based on his size. You know, he should be able to win the strength battle. And now he is, but, but it's going beyond that, also winning with his legs. And that's something we didn't always see his first two years in the NFL. Uh, so with the two catches here, Devontae Adams, you know, like like Nathan Yankee said, he's he's not perfect. We're seeing a drop here and there. We're seeing him making a mental mistake here and there. Um, but he's more than making up for it uh, with, with receiving, you know, his receiving talent and starting to become more explosive, something... You know, I kind of thought, I, I've described him as a possession receiver, and he, he might finally be breaking that mold. We'll see. I mean, we we need to see this happen over the course of the rest of the season. You know, we we still have, uh, you know, five games to go here in the year. So there's, there's you know, the, the, as hard as a, a big picture here, the jury's still out. It's definitely been a fantastic, you know, month here for Devontae Adams. In the beginning of the year, wasn't bad. Um, he's been finding the end zone. I th- he, so he's got eight scores now in 2016. His previous, you know, career high was only four. So he's doubled that already. Without doubt, no matter what happens the rest of the, the way, uh, definitely a step in the right direction. We're just trying to see if if Devontae Adams, you know, is is becoming a legitimate number one threat in the NFL, which is what the Packers need is as Jordy Nelson enters the downslide of his career. Um, you know, J- Jordy Nelson, the, the production's only gonna get less from here on out. We're we're basically already seeing it, you know, become less as as far as, you know, yards per reception goes and things like that, he's just not able to rack them up like he used to and, and being able to get downfield. I mean, he's still a reliable receiver at this point, um, but, I mean, that's that's what he's got going for him right now, the, the downfield threat uh, and the speed that he used to have to stretch the field. Not there anymore. Um, so Devonte Adams needs to step up into that role, but, uh, without doubt, good game, uh, against Philadelphia, your red chip players, the good, but not great. Um, if we look on the defensive side of the football, kind of already gave the honors for the offensive side here, uh, with, with Rogers and Adams, but I thought the best defensive player on the field for the Packers was Morgan Burnett. Although there were no shortage of candidates, for sure. Um, But Burnett gets the recognition for leading the team in tackles with eight. And a big part of the reason for the recognition is is the tackling efficiency. He may, you know, he may have been in coverage on a reception or two, but nothing that killed the defense. But his tackling made up for it. Um, I looked at the stat sheet, and, and, you know, I didn't see him credited with a tackle for a loss, but I could have swore he had one coming up, uh, tackling a receiver with fantastic closing speed in the fourth quarter there uh, against the Eagles. Maybe it went for no gain. Uh, but 
it, you know, the, the performance also had to do with Burnett filling in as an inside linebacker in the nickel package when Clay Matthews temporarily came out of the game. Burnett held down the fort there, and they really needed him to because they didn't have anywhere else to turn to. Uh, the Packers, you know, finding out Carl Bradford uh, just, you know, can't cut it in, in a regular season game in the NFL. He might be able to in, in the preseason against third stringers, and, and maybe he can help them on special teams, but he is a liability when he's out there on defense. And, and then uh, consider that Morgan Burnett played more snaps than anyone else on the defensive side of the football on the field for all 59 snaps on defense and then a never another seven more on special teams. Uh, so he gets the Ironman award for this game. Uh, so kudos to Morgan Burnett, the best player, in my opinion, on the defensive side of the football. I couldn't blame some other people. If they have other candidates for the best Packers defensive player in Philadelphia, uh, I probably wouldn't argue because a lot of guys had good days. Um, David Bakhtiari um, gets the other red chip. Nathan Yankee already summed it up, but Bakhtiari played an incredible game, essentially pitching a shutout and pass protection. And the big part of the reason Aaron Rodgers had such a good game the amazing thing is is that he's becoming among the elite left tackles in the NFL. And dare I suggest that Bakhtiari might be Pro Bowl caliber. Nathan Yankee used the word all-pro caliber. He, he's both right now, at, at least the way he's played the past few weeks here, and particularly this past game. Uh, remember, folks, it, you know, in terms of like the Pro Bowl, this, this is partially in your hands. So get out there and vote Bakhtiari because his play deserves it. Um, I, I don't know whether he'll get in or not. You know, sometimes, as we all know, the Pro Bowl's a popularity contest. And a lot of, a lot of times, you know, players get in a year after they deserve to go um, just because they, they build up the name recognition one year and then people don't, you know, vote for him enough until the next year. Um, so... Yeah, that's the way it works out, works out. But I suggest, you know, if, if you're out there casting ballots online, uh, do it now. Why wait? Uh, because he's he's really doing a good job. I'm not, you know, splitting hairs here between does he deserve to start versus come off the bench in the Pro Bowl being a backup or anything like that. I'm just saying he's Pro Bowl caliber right now, and, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, all right, the cow chips from the game. Not everything was all hunky-dory uh, because Jared Cook made minimal impact, and he gets one of the cow chips from this game. Catching just one pass on the day, I think it went for seven yards. But the reason he's in the cow chip category is, first of all, his false start penalty, and second of all, his drop of the football it wasn't the best throw by Rodgers, but it hit Cook right in the hands. This was the one replayed by officials and overturned. Um, you know, or, you know, I, the Eagles actually challenged it. But we've seen evidence now of this two straight weeks of Jared Cook dropping the football. You know, we were warned of this when the Packers signed him in free agency that he doesn't have the most reliable hands in the world. 
and everyone kind of rightly ignored that when you have a game over 100 seat receiving yards like he did last week and and was really the standout um you know the but but the drops stand out more when you're having a poor game like he did against Philadelphia and Jared Cook didn't exactly do well in run blocking either uh, so add all these things up, and that's why he was, in my opinion, probably the worst player on the field in green and gold on Monday night. Um, it's unfortunate because, I mean, this this is something you expect, um, you know, better out of a guy who is who's paid a lot of money in the offseason to, to be better than this. And, and, you know, thankfully there's been other games uh, like last week in which uh, he did a whole lot better. And, and maybe this is just a blip on the radar, but but the drops can't continue at this rate for Jared Cook. And, you know, as far as that goes, neither can the penalties or the poor run blocking either. Got to turn that around. And thankfully, a lot of his teammates picked him up because so many other players had good games. The other one goes to Demarius Randall. And I thought it was difficult finding another candidate for the cow chip category because even though players that had poor games did something good to outweigh the bad, um, like, say, Randall Cobb on his muffed punt return or Mike Daniels and Julius Peppers who got pushed around on occasion on defense. Um, but, but yeah, Demarius Randall here gets it for his three missed tackles, three missed tackles on the game, one notable on a scramble by Carson Wentz that went for a first down. And maybe part of it was that Randall was tentative in his first game back. Uh, but the tackling has to be better for a, a first-round draft pick and a former college safety. Thankfully, his pass coverage was at least average in this game, and, and maybe that's something positive to to take out of this in terms of, you know, well, it's his first game back. He's only going to get better from here as he gets a little bit more healthier and he's further removed from the surgery that he had on his groin. Um, and, and that's certainly a, a reasonable thing uh, to think here uh, with Demarius Randall. But uh, there weren't too many other candidates in the cow chip category because so many players played well this game or at least you know, kind of the, the good kind of canceled out the bad at least. So um, tough, tough to find so many in, in this game. And that's a good thing for the Green Bay Packers there. They're making me believe I, I was a doubter. I predicted them to lose. Um, I predicted them to lose for three straight weeks. Um, and, and now this, this makes me think, you know, coming into a, a game against the Houston Texans here, uh, certainly a winnable game at home. Uh, they start winning this, you know, if they win this game this Sunday, that, you know, puts them two in a row and maybe they start building a little momentum. And, and you know, the, the signs have always been there that this offense could break out at any time. And, you know, little by little, it's kind of starting to get on track. And, and that's good because the defense, you know, especially the run defense can be really good for the Green Bay Packers. And if the young secondary starts to step up, this can be a good team as a whole. We'll talk more about the Houston Texans next episode, next podcast on Friday. But yeah, ju just one more small bit of news I had to get to here, though, uh, before we moved on, uh, because this kind of came up in the aftermath of the game and maybe actually flew under your radar, kind of came out yesterday 
in the PM hours. So if you, you know, maybe if you, if you got offline, you never heard of this. Um, but defensive lineman, Mike Pinnell, uh, filed a lawsuit against both the NFL and the players association first reported by the Cleveland plane dealer. Um, he actually filed the lawsuit in Ohio. Um, and, and this would be for an apparent uh, second violation of the league's substance abuse policy. So you can read into this being, if things don't go Pinnell's way, he's going to be suspended now for 10 games by the NFL in the near future because he was already suspended the first four games of this season. Um and so, yeah, I mean, he, he's going to be, could be lost for the year here. Um, the, this lawsuit follows in the footsteps of Eagles tackle Lane Taylor, uh, who's in a similar situation. Maybe you, you know, heard about that, or if you follow along with like profootballfocus.com, kind of a, you know, a clearinghouse of what's happening across the NFL, you might have heard of that before. Um, but, but this report on Pinnell says that his appeal is December 6th. So like all players in the NFL, he's allowed to play through the appeal. So he should be able to play in Sunday's game against the Texans no matter what. Um, or at least he's allowed to. Um, but unless he either wins his appeal or gets some sort of temporary injunction from a court he could be lost for the rest of the season or the, the end of the season, I should say, which would be a hit to the Packers' depth on the defensive line. Um, that, the, thankfully, they, they kind of have a little bit of experience at having to get away with it early in the year. And the more you know, guys like Kenny Clark get more experience, the more capable he is of filling that void. Um, but yeah, just from a depth standpoint, this is not a good thing for the Green Bay Packers. I don't know what to make of this at this point, seeing as it's just come out. Mike Pinnell, even with his first suspension, didn't really want to talk about the details of it. And, and you know, nobody's came out and said what specifically he's been suspended for. Um, you know, Pennell hasn't, you know, come on the media and said that until he starts talking on record. Uh, and maybe some of the those details will come to light here because this is going to a court of law and it will be public record perhaps um maybe maybe we'll we'll start to know a little bit more here but uh this is something to keep an eye on uh because you know like i said he he should be available for the Texans game but beyond that it's a big question mark right now uh so this just kind of came to light on on Tuesday and kind of a still-developing story here. Uh, so we wait to find out more. Um, but next segment. The day ahead. All right, so it's Wednesday, and the Green Bay Packers released their first injury report of the week this afternoon. And this is an important one because of the short turnaround coming off a Monday night game. Um I think we're looking in particular at the inside linebacker situation for the Green Bay Packers. That's that's the thing to watch. I mean, the thing to watch is Aaron Rodgers' status after kind of having that hamstring injury, although, you know, I'm a little bit less concerned because, 
you know, he, he played through the injury and, and, you know, didn't come out of the game. Um, but as we now know, Clay Matthews got hurt in the Eagles game, which he described as an injury, what he thought to his AC joint after the game. Uh, he of course returned, but was visibly limited. Um, but if Matthews remains limited, they may get some relief with the possible return or potential return of Jake Ryan. As you might remember, there was a chance Ryan was going to return for the Eagles game, having been listed last week as questionable on the injury report, but ultimately on the inactive list. But as long as he doesn't suffer any setbacks, this might be the week Ryan actually returns here. Um, so that's a big one to watch here. And Rodgers is a big one to watch here. Uh, you know, looking forward to these things. Uh, Mike McCarthy will meet with the media for a press conference here on Wednesday for the first time since the, you know, the, the aftermath of the, the football game on Monday night. So looking forward to that and see what he has to say on these topics. But, but other than that, just kind of one final note here. Um, and, and we can pretty much make this our uh, call to action today. The the Green Bay Packers are hosting a blood drive um, in conjunction with the American Red Cross on Wednesday. So uh, December, what is today? The 29th. Today's the 30th, November 30th. Um, it takes place from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. local time, central time, inside the Lambeau Field Atrium. Uh, inside the Legends Club. Uh, so if you're to go there, uh, ask where the Legends Club is, and that's where you'd go to donate blood. Those who donate will be entered into a raffle to win prizes. Um, I know there's free parking at Lambeau Field for this. Um, and, you know, with, with a wife that works for the Red Cross, I encourage those of you who live in or near Green Bay to go out and donate. And this is the perfect time during the holiday season when donations tend to go down. Uh, so the Packers, uh, you know, being part of the community here and doing something good on a Wednesday here during the season. So that's taking place at Lambeau Field today. So don't delay. Um, and um, so, yeah, th that's it, folks. Uh, we'll, we'll leave the call to action at that today. And that does it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. Thank you to Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com for being our guest on the show. Uh, on behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kiravu. We'll see you on Friday in which we will preview the game. I've got a guest uh, all lined up uh, from Rotowire, um, so I'll I'll leave you hanging with that, teasing teased with that uh, for. Railbird Central, which airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, the live edition of the show, podcast on demand later in the day. Um, and by the way, oh, yeah, just a housekeeping duty here. I'm, I'm, I'm working on those of you who watch the live edition of the show. Uh, you, there was no chat integration today, and the, there's kind of been a change at live stream, and I'm still working my way through this to find out whether we can return to that or not. Um, kind of working through some things, um, I may or may not have that capability going forward, uh, because of the changes, but I'm working on it. I'll find out 
And uh, as soon as I know, you'll know what the status is there. Uh, but anyway, have a good day, folks. We'll see you later. I leave you today with a song called Ocean Billy by Umphreys McGee on Sci Records. See everyone. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.